0: Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Start living a better life today. This episode is also sponsored by Wondery's 100% with Marcus Lemonis. In this new series, fellow entrepreneurs talk with Marcus about their business and how they got started. 1% with Marcus Lemonis is available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. You are in for such a treat today because the amazing Gay Hendricks is back. For those of you who don't know Gay, he is a New York Times bestselling author, the founder of Hendricks Institute, and he has worked over 40 years as one of the major contributors to the fields of relationship transformation and body-mind therapies. He came on the show a couple of years ago to talk about his amazing book, The Big Leap, which is one of my all-time favorites. And this time, he's back to talk about his new book that just came out. It's called The Genius Zone the breakthrough process to end negative thinking and live in true creativity. And it's all about how we can start living more fulfilling lives, reach our own potential and tap into our innate creativity so it can become part of our everyday practice. It's an incredible book. So definitely go get your copy. It was such an honor to have Gay back on the show. My respect and adoration for him is more than I could really put into words. And just like last time, he has so many beautiful insights to share. And he says it all with so much love and grace. So without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Gay Hendrix. Well, welcome back, Gay Hendricks. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank
1: you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: You are such a beaming ray of love and light in this world. And I feel like, just like Google has become like a a verb that people use, I feel like you are that way. Like everyone knows this big leap and this upper limit. And like it's part of our vernacular, thank goodness. And you've continued to go on and teach us so much more, like next level stuff. So I'm really excited that you have your new book, and I can't wait for this conversation because this is, this is really all I think we should be talking about all day long.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I agree. I, I think the work that uh, we talk about is central to being a human being, You know, focusing on The Big Leap for a moment. The Big Leap really was about two big things. One was how to overcome your upper limit problem and also how to map out that territory I call the genius zone where you're doing what you most love to do. And I'll tell you, I've lived in that genius zone for a long time now, and I can tell you there's nothing better. That every day I can feel the growth of even more consciousness happening in me, and it never seems to go away or diminish any as long as we keep opening up to transcending our upper limit, kind of asking yourself, hmm who can I become today? You know, Not being limited by what was in the past because we don't have any control over that. It's just opening up to what I can really be this day.
0: Mm, It's so empowering. And just uh, over Memorial Day weekend, I took my kids to a science museum and there was this whole part of the museum that actually studies looking at the brain and looking at the neurotransmitters and understanding sort of how we fire and wire thoughts together. But just as a refresher, since you have been speaking for years and years, and you've been on this show also before, just as a refresher, let's help people understand what this means to not quite be in our genius zone, how we get locked in to something that feels very limited and very caged in, and and how we can start to understand that there's even something beyond that.
1: Yes. Well, in the big leap. I talk about four different zones that people spend their time in and I've spent time in all of those. So, uh, the first zone that a lot of people spend their time in is what I call the zone of incompetence, where you're doing stuff you're not any good at, and you don't like to do it. And oftentimes though, we have programs running in our mind that say we ought to do those kind of things. And so- My advice is as quickly as possible, get out of the incompetence zone and give somebody else, somebody that can do it better. The second zone, though, that a lot of us get stuck in is our competence zone, where we're doing stuff we're good at, but somebody else could do it just as well. And so that's an area where you delegate also. The third zone, though, is a huge trap. It sounds good on the surface. It's called the zone of excellence, but it is a trap because Every minute you spend in your zone of excellence, you're probably making money and people like you and depending on you and everything, but it's another minute that you're not spending in your genius zone. And from working, I've worked now with more than a thousand executives as well as 20,000 individuals. And I can tell you that human beings do not feel happy unless we're spending a significant amount of time in our genius zone. And almost nobody is doing that. And so I want to, as a species, I want to have us fix that. I want to have us spend more time in our genius zone and less time in those other three zones.
0: Mm, It's so exciting. And it makes so much sense that we would be most fulfilled when we're playing in this place where we really have genius. Like that's our Michael Jordan space to really shine and, and come into this place where we're really reaching our potential. I think that we do have this whisper from all of our souls that just tells us there is more here. There's more here. And it just no amount of Netflix shows or good restaurants will fill it. Like there's something constantly urging us to go find that. However, I think that there is that upper limit as you've talked about and you you taught us. How can we come to understand that upper limit and and how we can tell when that's what we're playing with and that's what's showing up?
1: First of all, great question. Thank you for that question. But the upper limit problem is our tendency to sabotage ourselves when things start going well. For example, you start feeling better, you start feeling better, you've got three days in a row of feeling on top of the world. And then suddenly you say, oh gosh, I think a triple chocolate malt with a double cheeseburger on the side would taste really good right now. And so, you know, for the next few hours, you're recovering from this thing that you've taken on. And that's the upper limit problem at work. Or another, like I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning who was telling me about her version of the upper limit problem, which is things are going along well, and then she starts to worry and then when she realizes it's, it's not even her voice that's worrying, it's her mom's voice. And, oh, mom's been dead for a long time. Why is that still echoing around in my head? So one thing that we need to realize is that worry, the actual act of mental worry, 99.90% of it is absolutely unnecessary. It's right. not about something that you actually need to worry about. Like if you get an image of a wild tiger roaming around on the next block, it's unlikely that it's a real tiger. They're pretty rare (laughs) in my neighborhood. I haven't seen one yet. So learning to tell the difference between those imaginary things we fear and the actual useful thing about worry, which is to bring something to our attention that we need to pay attention to, that's a good thing. The thing is about fear though, That it is, once it gets a grip on you, it's hard to get out of it by thinking your way out of it. You can say, oh, that's not scared, but that doesn't really make the grip in your gut go away. I'm here to tell you, having had a lot of experience working with people's fears, that fear is a, it's something that only can be loved away. You can Mm -hmm. only get rid of fear, quote, get rid of fear by letting it be by opening up and embracing it by loving it by getting its energy and letting its energy serve you in some way but what you don't want to do is try to get rid of it in the traditional sense by tuning it out or pushing it away we need to embrace it because it's underneath every one of your upper limit problems things go well then you get scared oh gosh I could feel this good all the time. And then clunk, the fear gets hold of you and the upper limit problem comes on. And so life is partly about transcending that upper limit problem and getting to the, to let yourself feel your full flow of love, your full flow of abundance, your full flow of creativity, having all of those things on flow at all times is life at its best and life is about awakening to what's in the way of that flow and letting it be on all the time
0: yes and i think that the word you use you know transcending that i think everyone i've ever met is always looking for a transcendent experience we want something mystical we want something supernatural we want something that's beyond right what it is that is predictable what it is that we've come to replay day after day after day. And when you talk in the title of your book, The Genius Zone, it says the breakthrough process to end negative thinking and to live in true creativity. What you were just talking about, the thinking, when the fear takes over, it doesn't actually help, you said, right? We have to kind of drop into something that's a felt experience. So how Do you assert in this book that we are able to end that cycle of the fear that causes the negative thinking?
1: One of the important things to do is to open up and embrace fear. One of my favorite quotes, uh, I don't remember if I put it in the Genius Zone book, but uh, I think it's in The Big Leap, is from Walt Whitman where he says, I am large and contain multitudes. Mm. And so we need to open up and embrace the wholeness of ourselves. We need to embrace our emotions. We need to embrace our anger, our fear, our sadness, our sexuality. All of those things need to exist in this bigger wholeness of ourselves. Here we tell our students, peace of mind only comes through total participation. And what we mean by that, if there's something that you're unwilling to feel or be with or open up to, some truth you can't open up to about yourself, that will run you because then the resistance to that thing becomes a defining element in your life. I was working a while back with a a woman, a young woman who came out as a lesbian to her father for the first time and she'd sort of tried to do it before but where I got into the picture was she was saying that it hadn't she hadn't really been able to do it in a way that got any resolution and i suggested the possibility that somewhere down in herself she hadn't fully resolved it in herself and because oftentimes the problems we have with other people come from an unloved place in ourselves rather than something that's actually about about the other person. Yeah. And so anyway, the key element of the story is that once she opened up and really loved and accepted all those parts of herself, even the she even discovered a part of herself that couldn't really love herself for being a lesbian. And so we worked on loving that part too. So anyway, the key line is that once she really got to the bottom of it in herself, which only took once she got focused on it an hour or so, she went and had a conversation with her father, they both ended up in each other's arms crying, you know, and it felt like a resolved thing. But what I'm suggesting is that we need, if we keep running into the same problem with people over and over again, take a look in there and find out if it's something unloved and unwelcomed in yourself that you haven't opened up and accepted and love to come to terms with, because oftentimes that then spills over into your outer world.
0: Mm, I love that so much. I've been thinking so much about that, that everything is really always happening for us and as above, so below, you know, so when things are happening in the world, you know, what is the great awakening? Like really, what is the great awakening for us? What's the message for us that we can fully come to love even greater, more expansive? And I had Janine Roth on the show and she is such a wonderful example of learning how to invite all the parts of yourself to the table. And I just have seen in my own self and in, in, in the lives of so many people that this aspect of shame around not fully wanting to accept all of ourselves gets in the way so much right so much so i think you said that so beautifully and that's so powerful you said it only took about an hour right it took about an hour
1: that's one thing that people i think uh, need to learn about their spiritual growth it doesn't have to take time spiritual growth is not a linear thing psychological growth is not a linear thing. In other words, it might only take you 10 seconds to love something that you've spent a lifetime trying to get away from. And it eliminates the time function of life. So that's a beautiful thing you need to know. And I've learned that one myself. I've, in my earlier days of working with these materials and these ideas, I found lots of places in myself that I'd never really come to terms with. And old things I felt anger about, about my father's death, or anger or sadness about his death, or fears that I had about my own life, whatever it is, you know, if there's something in there that we haven't loved and accepted, once I started loving and accepting those things I found unacceptable about myself, those old fears and things like that, life becomes much easier, because, you know, it's like, is life easier if you just drive through life or is it easier if you drive through life with the parking brake on, you know, and I had the parking brake on for a lot of my life, at least part way and my brakes were squeaking and it made life look rough. And it had to do, I always say life is an inside job in the sense that if it's looking rough out there, we need to say, Hmm, Hmm what's feeling rough in here that I haven't come to terms with, you know, cause we really are in the spirit of Walt Whitman, we really are large and contain multitudes. And if there's something in there that we haven't dealt with, you know, like I work with people all the time. I work a lot with corporate CEO types who have got massive egos and, they need a massive ego like me to kind of bust their chops sometimes. So I'm the guy that gets called in to do that. And uh, what I do is I love their chops. I don't bust their chops. I love my way through their chops. But anyway, what I'm saying is uh, people with massive e- egos I get to work with a lot. And one of the things I find under the most massive ego that can run a you know $350 billion corporation is a person oftentimes who hasn't learned to love some element of his own feelings, particularly the feeling of anger, the emotion of anger, and hasn't learned to feel the fears and the sadnesses that are also underneath anger. I say we're a parfait of feelings. A lot of times there's, I'm fine is on the surface, and underneath that is I'm really pissed off, and underneath that is I'm sad, and underneath that is I'm scared about a bunch of things. And you know, we just don't acknowledge the whole parfait of ourselves. But I spend a good bit of my day working with the whole parfait. And one thing that I've found is that we don't really get a sense of ease in life until we're really able to accept ourselves as we are false flaws and all. And once we do that, then it makes it easier to work on the flaws. Uh, but if you're holding yourself in a space of contempt, or a space of unacceptability or unworthiness, it's hard then to let in the good things of life. And there are only a few things that are really worth letting in. One is you want to let in an abundance of love. You want to live in a flow of giving and receiving love. You also want to live in a flow, at least I do, of giving and receiving abundance. I want to live an abundant life to my own specs. I don't care if The next person wants to live like a monk. I don't want to live like a monk. You know, I want to live in a great house and have all the things I want and be able to give away money through my foundation and things like that. That gives me a lot of pleasure. Um, But if, if you want to live like a monk, that's great, too. It's whatever your level of abundance. But we want to be open to the flow of abundance. And above all, though, it's got to be open to the flow of creativity, because that's where it all comes from you know, when I look at my own life, things that have really contributed, say, for example, we were just talking about net worth and finances. You know, when I think of things that have added multiple zeros to my own net worth, it's things that I thought up in a 10 second moment, you know, just, oh, that's an interesting idea. And then I followed that idea out and got it launched. And then later on, it turns into actual cash money. And so, It's the creativity, though. The commitment has to be to our creativity. And I'll tell you, you're a young sprout, but wait till you get up into your 40s and 50s. You'll realize that the more you open up to your creativity, the better your life gets, including your relationships. Because relationships, especially in their 40s and 50s and later depend on creativity, both people being engaged in some kind of creativity in themselves. Without that, the partner starts looking not so interesting. And it's because we're not so interesting inside. And so uh, that's something that as we mature is really good thing to keep in the back of your mind.
0: Mm, I love all of this. Okay, there's at least three pieces, if not 27 pieces, but there's three things that I for sure want to talk about more. One of them is this creativity. And I think that so many people who are listening right now, they've played so much of their life in the zone of competence or maybe the zone of excellence that accessing this sort of deluge of like the creativity and the space where they find their genius, it's not something that they even know how to access. I, I don't know that that we're, we're clear where the door is to that portal. Okay. and. I'm curious if you could help us to how can we find it and unleash it?
1: Yes, that's a very practical, elegant question because it opens up a lot of space. And the actual 10-second tool is the moment you let go of trying to control something that's uncontrollable by you and focus on loving something as it is that is a key moment that's a breakthrough to your creativity and gets underneath the negative thinking. The reason I put negative thinking in the subtitle of The Genius Zone is because so many people, when they come in, have been lost inside sort of an infinite loop of negative thinking that they haven't been able to pop out of that for the moment it takes to insert even a positive thought in that Loop that can go hiccup, hiccup, hiccup when the loop comes around. When you really look at how your thoughts work, it only takes one positive thought about something to disrupt the current way of thinking about it. You know, if you go to thinking, I work a lot with couples, and couples come in in the middle of a big problem, and sometimes it's a problem that's been there for years and years and years, and one of the big breakthroughs they get is kind of similar to the breakthrough that a person gets when they pop through their negative thinking. All that couple needs is one positive possibility inserted into that kind of infinite loop of negativity they've been created. And it starts to throw everything up in the air, and then that's a positive kind of throwing up in the air because something new can be learned in that moment. you a very specific example a couple will be in here and they'll be telling me what the usual thing is they fight about and that argument will break out right here in the room and the thing that often gets them out of that argument and provides a breakthrough is getting underneath the anger and saying what they feel scared about because that drop from the anger level down to the fear level oftentimes people haven't done that in the heat of the moment. And so I get a couple to say, oh, I'm afraid our relationship is over or, oh, I'm afraid you're going to leave me or to get down to the actual bare bones of what the fear is that's driving it. That's a huge breakthrough. And if you think about it, it's that same breakthrough that gets us in touch with our genius and our creativity. It's the moment we open up and accept ourselves just exactly as we are. That is your front door, wide open gate to the universe right there.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because Brene Brown always talks about how we're raised to be courageous and brave at the same time, not to be vulnerable. And yet that vulnerability is so powerful. Being able to acknowledge even for ourselves, what's really, really at play It's big what you're saying. And it's so important, especially, you know, to have men saying things like this, you know, to have that leadership in the world for all of us, men and women can use this. But I think especially for men who are raised not to be scared, you know, not to talk about what they're scared of and what does that then create, you know? I love everything you're saying, but before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsor. You may know Marcus Lamentis from running a Fortune 500 company and hosting one of the most successful business shows on TV. In 100% with Marcus Lemonis, a new show from Wondery, Marcus talks with exceptional entrepreneurs about their businesses and how they got started. It's a mix between a masterclass, a cocktail party, and Sunday drive wrapped into one. Part of the show gets into the numbers, such as the revenue, sales, and gross margins. However, Marcus also gets personal with guests to uncover the stories behind the companies. Together, they identify what they're going to need to take their businesses to the next level, because who you are drives your business forward. Marcus's philosophy is that if you are connected to yourself and the things you value, you'll be unstoppable that's doing things 100%. I listened to the trailer and I'm just really excited for this show. It's all about helping entrepreneurs who are creating products and services that are making the world a better place. Plus he brings on some of his friends like Charles Barkley, Nicole Miller and Al Roker for real conversations about what it's like as an entrepreneur and they give some tough love advice. If you love my podcast, I think you're gonna find this super valuable so definitely check it out. 100% with Marcus Lemonis is available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're struggling to reach your goals or you just feel kind of down, then you might want to try BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's super convenient to connect with a therapist in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide, and their therapists offer a broad range of expertise like depression, anxiety, stress, relationships, trauma, anger, self-esteem, and so, so much more. Anything you share is confidential and you're gonna get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor anytime. Whenever I'm trying to work through something, I have found it really helpful to talk with someone else who's not in my personal circle of family or friends. Therapy has led me to so many breakthroughs and helps me move forward in my life, so I definitely recommend that you might give it a try. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash dream job for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp. The other thing that you were saying before, which is really important is this whole idea of receiving. I can't tell you, we're now at 21 million downloads. We have 89% of our audience is female. I could tell you that every single person that I have spoken to who listens to the show has told me in one way or another that they have a hard time receiving, that they mm-hmm. are uh, afraid, that there's some level of shame that comes up when they think of abundance. And so I think that this is really important to zero in on. And um, I was just on a trip, we just took a few weeks off. Uh, my mother-in-law passed away a couple months ago and we decided, you know what, this family could use like just some time, quality time. Mm-hmm. And so we went and we had this incredible, went to a place called Blackberry Mountain and we we went on this like absolute luxurious, indulgent trip. And I even felt for myself, the tears come up. Like, look at me spending this much time away, spending this much money, spending this much Love on myself, on the kids, right, family sound baths and massages and the best food and taking speedboats out to see dolphins, and there is this feeling of like, is the shoe gonna drop and I realized some I thought about you a lot because I realized that there's this feeling of it is so much safer not to receive it is so much safer not to put my hands out and ask for more, or to open up to loving this deeply in my family, because then there's so much more to possibly lose. Can you help us understand this so that we can live into this birthright, which is enjoying this gorgeous, incredible world? So often we take ourselves out of that beauty of receiving. And you were addressing it before, and I think that this might be the biggest thing that I see that stands in people's way.
1: I am really glad that you're bringing this subject up because I think, as a matter of fact, I think this is so important that I'm doing a whole course on that next year, and uh, or Amazing. later on this year, I think it is. Because I believe that the ability to receive is one of the most constrained things that people can do something about very quickly. I think that if you could commit yourself, you and anyone that's listening to this, just make an open heartfelt commitment to learning to receive more this year. Because most of us, especially people that follow your work and mine, are people who are often tend to be more givers. You know, they're helpers, they're therapists, they're people you count on, that kind of thing. And that's their very nature. And by their very nature, I'm one of those people, too, as you are. And so one of the things we have to be very aware of is our tendency to get overbalanced and not give ourselves the equal ability to receive, because I get people in here all the time. You know, I was just working with a person last week who's a well-known actor, and you'd recognize his face in a second and say, oh, I've seen that guy a thousand times, but he's never gotten to that level of winning an Oscar. That would be his example of his big leap that he wants to do. And why is that? The big thing is that down underneath, there's some constraint on his ability to receive. And it's not hard to find, but you got to start looking for it. And one way to start looking for it is to make a commitment to learning to receive more, because then that'll begin to invite up things that feel restrictive. You know, like a person, here's a great place to practice. Let a person give you a compliment without resisting it in any way. You know, that's a great place because if you see that, I see it all the time where a person uh, will try to say something good to another person and they'll get feedback or talk back from that. You know, the famous example I give in my book of trying to compliment my mother-in-law, Polly, when she was alive on her pumpkin pie, which I thought was very good. But golly, to try to tell her, you know, I said, Polly, that's delicious. I, you know, of all the things you did at this Thanksgiving, that's the one that really did it for me thank you for all but that pumpkin pie was out of this world and she said oh you know i didn't think the combination of the clove and the ginger and everything came out just the way and i said no i thought it was really good and then she said well you know my mother could make it really well and so i went through about 17 evolutions of that but if you think about it that's how we often do when we let positive energy in. we we resist it you know rather than saying ah thank you Another quick story, if I may, I happened to work with a a singer the day before he was going to get his palm prints and all that on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And he was having a panic attack. And I talked to him on the phone. I invited him to come over and uh, be, be with me. I was sitting out on my front porch and he happened to live nearby. So he came over and sat with me on my front porch. And what was this anxiety attack about? Well, it was about he had received so much in his life, but now he was just going to be there for all eternity. Never mind that he has records out for jillions of them that people can listen to. For, but there was something about putting his paw prints in the concrete down there that meant, oh, I'm eternal now, which means I'm going to die. And that brought up his big fear that he was dealing with this fear mm. of really letting it in because to let it in fully meant he was gonna to have to say, I'm not gonna be here forever. I have to let it in in this lifetime. And so that put him right up against his upper limit and boom, there's the panic attack. <laughs> I'll tell you, I did a funny thing. I happened to have a stack of quarters on the table near me and um, I picked him up and I, I said, here, let's do this. And I put one in his hand and he just kind of stared at me and said, what's that for? And then I put another one in his hand. So there's 50 cents now in his hand. And he says, well, I don't get it. And I put another one in his hand. And after that, I said, one thing I haven't noticed is you saying thank you. Every time somebody's given you free money, let's practice that first. I would clunk a quarter in his hand and he would say, thank you. And I would clunk another one. You know, this is a guy that's probably worth $20 million. Right. At right. Right. And, but, <laughs> Uh, you know, just learning to say thank you for a quarter is the same as saying thank you for the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the career. Thank you for it all. Ah, and being willing to say, you know, I deserve that, I guess. I feel good about that. I'm happy with that. I accept that about myself. Forget about deserving. Just ah, I accept it. So. In a way, that's the move that we all need to get good at, I think, in this next period of evolution, especially if you've been in the giving trade for a long time, as many of us have been. So let's balance ourselves out by systematically first making a commitment to being better receivers today than I was yesterday and better tomorrow than I am today and getting that established as some ongoing flow in our lives.
0: Yes. I love it so much. And I love this ongoing flow because I was having acupuncture about a month ago and I was looking at my arm and I look at these metal little pins and I've had it done multiple times. And I thought, oh my gosh, of course it's metal because metal is a conductor of energy. And I started thinking about how maybe it's the reverse. Maybe the more you receive, the more humble you are. Maybe it's the ego that gets in the way like who am i to receive this it's like do the redwood forests say this you know does the bald eagle who flies as high as he flies say this the more that we realize like we can take our order like our space in the order of all of the wild geese you know as they were and and just receive we we become then a conduit for energy it's kind of like i used to do musical theater in high school we would stand in a circle before we would go on the to the stage and my director would say, okay, close your eyes, hold hands, and you're going to pass the energy around. You know, Everyone's done this once or twice at camp or something. And you pass the energy through until finally you, you you feel the energy in your left hand, you squeeze the right, and you're done. The whole circle, it goes around. It's kind of like this this thing where I think, gay, for so many of us, we were taught that love is earned, right? Everything's earned. We have to earn it. We don't feel that we've earned it. We don't know how to receive unless we've sacrificed. And it's almost like the ego is so strong rather than this sort of like fifth dimensional, the soul, which is really designed to be a conduit of energy. So the more you get in the way and you're like, well, who am I to have this? It's like, well, then you're not passing that energy, so to speak, through fully through you then to the next person. It's really, you know, it's like, it becomes like a hose with like a a bottleneck on it rather than just let it keep coming. And I don't know why, but that, idea seems so buried. Like, I don't feel like that's what, what you just said is there's so much humility in that as opposed to the opposite.
1: Yes. Well, one thing I really want to highlight is I think that ego and fear are basically in a waltz forever. Uh, Because if you think about it, when your ego is at work, you know, I always say, I I work with a lot of creative people who sometimes bring me the problem of they think their creativity needs them to suffer in order to create. And that's a very common thing among very creative people. And I happen to have seven big oak trees on my property that I'm a very proud custodian of because they've been here for 300 years, you know, and I feel really great that I get to take care of an oak tree, that was here you know, before the US was here, basically. So I always say, okay, take a look out there and look at that oak tree. In the fall, does it have to go, yeah, I gotta get rid of some acorn and then they go. No, it's a letting go process. It's a ease process. It's an ease of bringing through and letting go. So I'm one of those folks that believes in a heartbeat that suffering is not required for great creativity if you look at greatly creative people they often have monstrously screwed up lives but it's they might have been that way if they were a ditch digger or a airplane pilot or a bean grower you know it doesn't really matter and the thing is we need to know is there is this beautiful flow and it's a flow of creativity that goes throughout creation i mean look there's a place in the universe that's spewing out 32 suns, the size of ours, per second. Uh, I mean, that blew my mind when I first read that. Oh, my I mean, they may, they may be the size of a kernel, but they're going to be the size of our sun every second, 32 of them. That is creativity in action right there. And that's who we are. We're all made of the same stuff as everything else in the universe. And so when Walt Whitman says, I am large and can contain multitudes, one of the things that we really need to open up to that we contain is this vast streaming pulsation of creativity that's pouring through us at all times. And I think that's one of the things that oftentimes gets most programmed in is a fear Of that, So that we put the brakes on that or drive around with the parking brake on about our creativity. See, creativity, I think, boils down to doing what you most love to do. That's one of the big points I made in The Big Leap, and I make that times 10 in the new book, The Genius Zone, is that really, if you want to get down into your genius quickly, ask yourself, what do I most love to do? what brings me the most satisfaction per the time I spend doing it? I had a yoga teacher friend of mine, very successful yoga teacher for many years now, um, passed on Marsha Moore. And she always said, if I give myself an hour a day, I can give back 23 to people. But if I don't give myself that hour a day, I can't give anything to anybody. And, you know, it's like we don't need to go park ourselves in a cave in Tibet for 38 years in order to get enlightened. What we do here is we oftentimes start people with 10 minutes a day where we ask them to go in a room for 10 minutes and just ask themselves one time after the other. In fact, here's the process if you want to do it at home ask yourself, hmm, what do I most love to do? And then take three easy breaths. And then ask yourself again, hmm, what do I most love to do? You can ask it out loud or in your mind, and then take three easy deep breaths, because that gives you time to kind of let yourself feel that in your body. And so when people come here and do intensives, That's often the first thing we do with them. And we ask them to go in this little room that doesn't have anything in it, but a chair, basically, and live in that question for 10 minutes. And oftentimes people come back outside after that 10 minutes and say, that's it. I don't need anything else. You know, I don't need to spend the rest of the day here. Of course they do. But it's that moment of really receiving, you know, letting yourself know that you can live and thrive here by doing what you most love to do. Mm. And I started asking myself that question, golly, now more than 40 years ago, I guess. And it took me probably 20 years to get so I was doing that all the time. But in the meantime, you know, I started when I first started, I was doing what I love to do about 10% of my waking hours. And now I'm 90% there and 10% I do stuff like take care of the kitty litter and uh, move the trash bins out and uh, stuff that I'm not a genius at but I'm working on it.
0: It's so powerful what you said how we contain the same magical, you know, ingredients that's in all of these wonders of the universe and you had said earlier it doesn't have to take hours and years like that's the thing with spiritual work, you know, the same way that we can heal if we drop into a certain vibration, right? The same way we can come up with the idea for the iPad or come up with the idea for the big leap or come up with the idea for whatever else, Disney World. You know, that's that's what's so powerful. And I love that you have people ask themselves that question. What I hear is that people have moments of of deep inspiration like that. And then here comes the belief that feels like it is etched and it's ironclad, you know, they believe this idea that so what though, I know I won't be able to do that full-time. It doesn't pay the bills. I'm still going to have to save that till retirement. If I'm lucky, I'll get to do it on a Sunday every so often. And I try to say, Hey, look, there's evidence that so many people are able to do what they love. And your book is filled with stories of this, but how do you help people to try to see that possibility When they believe that, of course, they could tell you what they love to do, but in reality, as they'll tell you, practically speaking, as they'll tell you, it only hurts more to think of it because they can't (laughs) actually do it and make a living from it. So they have to put it off.
1: Yes. Oftentimes when you're resisting your genius, when you're not putting it to work, if you're sitting on top of it, what comes into your mind are all or nothing solutions. Right. I'll give you an example. I can't remember if I put this in the big leap or not, but one of my first successful people that I worked with with using these ideas was a very successful dentist that came in. And he was a guy that, you know, he told me the classic story. He said, I'm 40 years old. I'm making my $350,000 a year. You know, my wife loves it. We're in the right clubs and all that. And if I keep going this way, I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. And well, we find out that what he's resisting down there he didn't even want to go to dental school <laughs> His dad was a famous dentist, and so he could step into the practice you know and have instant life when he was twenty six years old or whatever he was when he graduated from dental school and He liked that idea at the time, you know, and he was not struggling like a lot of his colleagues were struggling to get their practices started, mm-hmm. so it had its benefits to it, but then we got up around forty what he really loved to do his entire life since he was in the third grade was one of his teachers inspired him to write poetry. They thought he was good at writing poetry and it got to be an important part of his life that he did kind of in secret, even hid it from his wife, some of his poems. And um, then they got split up. And so there was really no reason for him to hide his poetry anymore. So I suggested that he start publishing his poetry and He thought that was the craziest idea I had ever suggested in my life. But they were publishable poems. So I got him to do something in the alternative, which is to write poetry about being a dentist. I said, has anybody ever written a beautiful poem about dentistry? And I basically have to kind of work myself up to go to the dentist. I cannot say that I have the greatest Uh, feeling about dentists, but what's the essence? What's the beauty of being a dentist? And he got all excited and told me, I can't even remember now what he told me, but I remember the look on his face was that, well, you know, sometimes I get to be more than a dentist with people. And sometimes I get to, you know, they talk to me about other things. And that's what I really love about it because it's an intimate kind of experience. I hadn't thought of dentistry that way for sure, you know? But he wrote a poem about that, a darn good poem, and it ended up, of all places, in a dental journal. So he came out as the genius he'd been wanting to be and integrated that into his profession. And the next thing he knows, he's getting invited to do a keynote at a dental convention if he'll bring in some of his poetry. Don't think that caused anxiety to get up in front of 800 dentists and read your poetry to them? You know, some of which was not about dentistry, by the way. And uh, there's a limit to how much you can go with dental poetry, I think, uh, just between you and me, uh, just to let the world know that my prejudice is about that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get back to the big subject of receiving, may we, to kind of polish off this subject, because... If you open up to making a commitment to receiving in commensurate balance with your ability to give, so to come into balance, I'm not asking you to wallow in a tub of melted chocolate all day uh, while you're receiving a massage from, I don't know who, but you don't have to go that far. What you can do is enjoy the thing you're doing a friend of mine called me a while back i was in my car at the time and she said what are you doing and i said i'm in the zen monastery of an la traffic jam (laughs) and i was breathing my way through a traffic jam you know because oh man i was late for the meeting i was trying to get to but i didn't have any control over that so You know, life is a lot about letting go of controlling the uncontrollable and focusing in on loving the juice of this moment. You know, the extracting the wisdom of this moment has all the juice in the world in it. And a lot of times life serves us up a traffic jam too. So the defining element is how we respond to it, not what happens to us.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And you said earlier, you know, when you were talking to the couple, that the thing that can help them get out of that their own traffic jam is just in the inserting of a possibility right just like something that might be possible and um i think with all of this what it comes down to and this is why you the work you've been doing is is so sacred is in this moment every possibility exists in right here in this present moment and on the way home from our Tennessee trip, we stopped in Orlando and, and we took the kids to Epcot center and figment says, we see far more with our minds than with our eyes. And the more that I've learned and the more that I've studied it, it's just amazing how, when we pray or meditate, we often close our eyes, right. And we see greater with our eyes closed sometimes. And I think that all of the work that you do and the way that you speak, it's kind of it kind of drops us into really the generous, you know, the present moment, which is just pregnant with possibility. And I say to my, my listeners and my students, sometimes you're like Harold in the purple crayon, you have this white space and this purple crayon and you can just dream up, you know, what could be just the most unbelievably delicious thing that you want to create or do or give or whatever. And I, I feel that in some ways school, growing up, going to school has like robbed people in a way of learning how to think beyond what we can see. And as we're sort of summing up, I feel like this is the great gift of your work is get beyond this limit, get beyond this like this 3D predictable, this thing that you just keep doing over and over again. Right here in the present moment, there is so much possibility.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, Disney World itself, I grew up within a stone's throw of Disney World. Did you know that? No. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I remember looking at my mother when they bought that. It was probably around 1970 or something like that when they bought that piece of land. And my mother and I looked at each other and said, really, they sold that piece of land, (laughs) you know, it was 30,000 acres of swamp when I was growing up. And uh, the fact that Disney, you know, flew around it in a helicopter and said, hey, I can do something here. You know, that's a great example of of that. Some of us know, um, he's now deceased now, but Art Linkletter, he tells a story of riding around in a car with Walt Disney, Um, before Disneyland in California and given an opportunity to invest in it. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think you can make a go of that sort of a thing, Walt, you know. (laughs) And and so uh, he loved to tell that story on himself. But, you know, let's just say the subject of receiving is vast and limitless, and I believe is a holy task that we get from the moment we get here on this planet to balance out our ability to receive and our ability to give. And this, I believe, is an era of receiving where most of the people who listen to this podcast and watch you will be in the pretty proficient in the art of giving. But let's get everybody as proficient in the art of receiving so that you can have your full measure of love, abundance, and creativity. That's really what the genius zone is all about, is how to live there and how to kind of steer yourself, navigate along like a bird flies so that you get to ride the wind currents and stay there. Because it's one thing to kind of break through into your genius zone. It's another thing to actually suspend yourself there and move along in that genius flow all the time.
0: You are such a gift. It's your you-ness. It's it's not even, (laughs) yes, you know so much and your language around it and the way you explain it is just so powerful, but it's who you are. It's your spirit. And you're, like I said, when you first started, you're just this like beam of love And it's so integrated into who you are that it's just like such a gift to get to spend time with you. It's like an infusion. It's like going and getting an IV drip, but it's like love and sweetness and some of the mystery of the universe all put together. So tell us where we can buy this book and where we can follow you and where we can possibly take that course that's going to be coming up soon.
1: Yes. Well, stay in touch with me at hendrix.com. That's the usu- usual place, H E N D R I C K S dot com. Jimmy Hendrix has his own website, but we're different. Uh, we're still <laughs> our C K S. He's, he's with an X. That's a good place to go. Also, the Genius Zone book has its own website, which is geniuszonebook.com. dot com. That's a good place to go because if you buy it through there, then you can get a free download of me taking you through a guided meditation so that's a good place to get it from and there's all the usual places amazon books a million all that place barnes and noble and so uh, get it get your download and uh, i'll be whispering in your ear every morning when you play that to yourself
0: oh that's so awesome we will definitely share that with our audience and put links to everything and thank you for the time today and thank you for everything you shared it was so beautiful
1: well, blessings to you. Thank you for doing the great work you do in the world. I hear about you all the time, and I'm so grateful that you do what you do, and you have found your genius. I, uh, I uh, celebrate you as a practitioner of your genius.
0: Oh, that's so generous. You made my whole day and year. Thank you so much, Gay. Thank you for being here, and we'll just continue to support you. You're the best. I always love talking with Gay. If you guys want to watch this interview on video, and if you want to see any of our other episodes on video, then you can go to the Kathy Heller YouTube channel because we're posting them there. I'll put that link in the show notes as always. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, keep asking yourself, who can I become today? Don't be limited by what was in the past because you have no control over that. Open up to what you can be today. Number two, fear can only be loved away. You have to open up, love it, and let its energy serve you in some way. Number three, embrace the fullness of yourself and your emotions. They all need to. Exists in the wholeness of ourselves. Peace of mind only comes through total participation. Number four, life is about transcending your upper limit problem and letting yourself feel the full flow of love, abundance, and creativity. Having them on full flow all the time is living life at its best. Number five, life is an inside job. Number six, the more you open up to creativity, the better your life gets. Number seven, commit to become a better receiver than you were yesterday. The subject of receiving is vast and unlimitless. We are in an era of receiving. And number eight, finally, let go of controlling the uncontrollable. Focus on loving the juice of the moment and extracting the wisdom of this moment. Okay, now I want to give a shout out to some of our made to do this alumni. So Nikki said, I have big news after a fabulous conversation with the awesome and wonderful Carolyn Holmes about my money mindset and the financial positioning of my offer. I had a great discovery call with a potential cancer thriver client. I pitched the $1,000 offer as well as a couple of more comfortable packages for me to discuss. And she has confirmed today that she is signing up for the $1,000 package. OMG, this is incredible. This will pay for my mortgage this month. I know that I still need to do some work around my money mindset and my own value, but thanks to my coaching from Joe Ingram and the kick up the butt from Carolyn Holmes, I'm getting there. Nikki, this is incredible. It's amazing. I'm so, so proud of you for working on your money mindset and putting that price on your offer. Look at what incredible things happen when you give yourself permission to welcome the abundance. Also, Carolyn and Joe, who are both made to do this alumni, you are both such superstars. Thank you for lifting Nikki up to this next level. Let's all go give Nikki some love. Her Instagram is at Just underscore be more. Okay, here's another win from Chelsea. Chelsea said, today I stepped out of my comfort zone and led with my heart. I scheduled a free conscious parenting workshop slash playdate on the meetup app, went to a nearby park with my family and a cooler full of snacks and then proceeded to ask every mom at the park if they were there for my meetup. My kids played hard. I chatted with wonderful moms and nannies about my favorite topic, helped a mom with her sick child, got a few emails to notify parents when my next workshop will be. I ate way too many snacks and made myself proud that I'm doing this dang thing. I'm showing up for myself and it feels so good I could cry. Chelsea, that is just so cool. I love that you went to the park and you asked every mom, hey, are you here for the meetup? That's how it's done, folks. It takes so much courage to put yourself out there like that and get out of your comfort zone, but you did it. And you're making so many beautiful connections with those moms who need you. I can't wait for you to have your next workshop. Keep us posted on how it's going. For all of you listening, go give Chelsea some love. Her Instagram is at the Black Parenting Lady. All right. Now it's time to celebrate our giveaway winner. Every Monday and Thursday, we're giving away some really cute swag, like a hoodie or a mug. If you want a chance to win, all you have to do is leave a review for the podcast and Apple podcast, or you can just post about the podcast on your Instagram stories and tag me at kathy.heller. So today's winner is Adria Sullivan. And here's what she said. She's got it all. Kathy is a genuine and knowledgeable person who I aspire to be more like. Every episode adds value and keeps you moving forward. Thank you, Adria. That's so, so generous of you. Thank you guys for listening. I know that you have a zillion things that you could be doing right now, and it just means the world that you spend your time here. If you want to be the first to get more amazing episodes as they all just keep coming, then subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen and leave a review if you want to be entered into the giveaway. Finally, I have a little assignment for you. If you've been listening and feeling inspired, then start putting it into action. Keep yourself accountable. Find someone you know who would also find this valuable and create your own little accountability buddy. You can start listening to the show together. You can have a conversation to reflect on the biggest lessons and how you can implement them into your everyday. We're actually working on a worksheet for you guys so you can fill it out. You can keep track of each other's goals. You can be a sounding board for each other. It's like a little book club except with a podcast. How fun is that? I'd love for you guys to start doing that. So if you want to do that, share the show with someone and then say, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the takeaways and let's brainstorm each other's ideas so that it's not just a passive thing listening to a podcast, but you can start actually taking it that next little step. I would love to see if you guys are enjoying this conversation. If you did like today's podcast, post about it on Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. And you can tag Gay. He's at Hendrix.Gay. And then we'll both be able to reshare some of those. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Sorry.